0: You're not going to be uh, not going to be hiding or holding anything back. Also, this is another two-part episode. This is probably just going to be the format of the show. Um, we're we're talking about maybe making that change because uh, we're pretty happy with the content that we put out. It's just longer than we would like it to be. So I don't know. Maybe this is it. Uh, also, I will be coming back in at the end of the episode. To let you know what the next movie is, because again we did this in one recording, and we didn't put it in. So we'll we'll start um, we'll start reformatting to make sure that we get it more organically in the future. But I will see you again at the end of the show to let you know what the next film is. So you still have the full two weeks to watch it. As always, uh, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. <laughs>
1: Welcome, everybody, to another installment of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And today we are covering a little movie called Southbound that I'm excited to talk about. How are you doing, Ron? I
0: am doing good, and I had a a question that I wanted to pose to you. Um, (laughs) I'm nervous, but go on. So, Jeff. um, (laughs) (laughs) So... I am curious. I heard on another podcast I was listening to them talking about renting movie theaters and having a selection of films to choose from. Now, if that, like which ones they would pick, if that selection was Limitless, what would you like to see on the big screen if you rented out a movie theater? What would you like? It could be any movie that you would like to
1: see. The first one that came to my mind is John Carpenter's The Thing. Of course. Because it's John Carpenter's The Thing. What's your backup? What's your B?
0: My... The, the, the Thing projector is broken today. The projector thing is broken today. Fuck the theater then, bro. What, what the shit?
1: Is... Your Thing projector's it's AMC, broken? AMC, what do you want from me? You, you have one <laughs> fucking job, AMC. And it's give me goddamn John Carpenter. Um, Just rag on AMC for an hour uh it's, it's i'm trying i'm just trying to like rack my brain what my my follow would be Im, maybe need, just like an original unfucked with version of the empire strikes back i okay. would like to watch that that's a good call
0: um yeah so i have two picks also because my first one was 1979's alien okay and then i was like of
1: course anyone who was listening to the the first installments <laughs> of this podcast <laughs> Not shocked by our answers <laughs> at all. I was like, of course it was. So what else did I want? And
0: I think a great pick it would be Dr- the first Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I saw The Lost World in theaters, but when the first Jurassic Park came out, I wasn't allowed to watch it yet.
1: I so. saw Jurassic Park 3 in the theater. I don't think I watched... I was too young to have watched the first one, and I don't think I was... Old enough to watch the second one uh, when it came out. When did when did Lost World come? Out? It was like ninety five. It was like mid nineties. Ninety five or ninety seven.
0: Let me see. Let me go to the old Imdb and nineteen ninety seven. So I was just, I was
1: I was five or six, roughly, depending on when it dropped. Jesus. <laughs> <In laughs> ninety seven. <laughs> I was twelve, bro. <laughs> old bastard.
0: Now, I have actually a distinct memory of watching um Lost World. Do you remember the little uh the little chicken sized um uh, oh god, calamimus uh, or whatever they're called? The,
1: the little bastards in the opening that like eat the people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, remember when Peter Stormare gets it via chicken? <laughs> uh, <laughs> via chicken. <laughs> uh but you remember Lots of death. You Remember uh chicken. they they all just kind of st- you know, jump all over him and bite him to death and then eat him. And which well, would be the worst. Like, it, like, it would be really the absolute worst. By, he deserved let me be it. Eaten.
1: Yeah, he was an asshole, but like, let me be eaten by the fucking thing that can like just immediately end my life and not be, you know, death by a thousand little fucking chicken fuckers. <laughs> like, right. God damn.
0: Um Gallimus? Gallimimus. Uh anyways. He gets it via them. And in that scene, they are all just all over the place from all directions. And I watched it in theaters with my buddy, Isaac, and he was basically like screaming and pulled his feet up off the ground during yeah. that part. And it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a distinct memory of watching that, but I think Jurassic Park and alien would be my two picks. If I could pick pretty much anything, that was the first two to, that came to my mind.
1: The other one that came to my mind is, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark would be fun to watch
0: Raiders of the Lost Ark or uh, last
1: crusade. Yeah. If you give if you gave me like the theater for an evening and I got to pick two oh, movies, man. I might pick Raiders and Last Crusade as a double feature because that'd be fucking that'd awesome,
0: be dude. So good. Uh but yeah. I, I was I was curious what your what what you would say. Empire Strikes Back, uh not what I was expecting,
1: but very you. Which, what were you what were you well the first one I said was John Carpenter's uh, the thing. That one uh, I yeah.
0: expected. That's why I had the backup caveat of okay, what else? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what, what what were you outside of john carpenter's thing expecting me to say i don't i don't really
0: know um empire strikes back was not well it's not at the front of the list though uh i was trying to trying to predict but i wasn't really coming up with anything you watch anything so much shit and you watch such a wide variety yeah <laughs> i was having a hard
1: time bringing it in that's the thing it's like um it reminds me like a um the way that i view movies is very similar to a Quentin Tarantino quote where uh, he once said, uh, "Most people just love the movies they love, and then movie lovers will watch just about anything." And I'm kind of like one of those people where it's I'll watch any type of movie just because it's a movie. It doesn't have to just be in like my like catalog. Like I, I watch dramas, I watch fucking Pacific Rim. Like any any type of movie, I'll watch if it if it seems interesting at all.
0: A lot of, a lot of movies I watch. The only rom com I really watch is Deadpool. Uh <laughs> I, I have a hard time with those, but I've been dragged to a lot of really shitty ones, and that's probably my problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah. But um
1: so speaking of rom coms, Southbound. <laughs> Southbound. <laughs> so I discovered Southbound for the first time about a month ago when I was doing my kind of yearly just fucking massive horror movie fest because I live, breathe, and sleep Halloween. I don't give a shit about any other holiday the entire year, but I fucking love Halloween because I like horror. is
0: the Halloween-a-thon something you typically do? Because I... As long as I've known you, I don't think I've heard heard of you
1: doing this. I do it pretty much ever, like, ever since I was a... teenager, I... Well, every month of October, I will kind of burn through as many horror movies that I've ha- kind of had on my kind of watch list for a long time, but just never get around to watching. I try to knock as many of those like off my list during the month mm-hmm. of October as possible. So it's been it's been a thing for a little like a little while now. Okay. Uh, one of the movies I crossed off my list this October was VHS because uh, I really I really like horror anthology movies. Mm hmm and it's a very good one most like horror anthology is is very hit or miss because it's very easy for something that isn't a cohesive like narrative throughout to kind of like lose its identity uh, if people aren't kind of on the same page and i felt the vhs felt the opposite of that how it felt almost like this cohesive thing even though it's individual stories well the final entry of that anthology really really grabbed my attention i really liked it uh just the basic gist of it is uh i believe the name of the the entry in vhs was it was like ten thirty one ninety eight. 98 it was like the day of halloween and uh it was either like 98 or 99 in the late 90s mm-hmm. it's about these it's about these guys who are on their way to a halloween party and they go to the wrong address and they actually stumble upon a haunted house and they're let's, walking let's through be this cops ha- is this let's be cops <laughs> they're they're walking through this haunted house. <laughs> laughing at all of these legitimately terrifying things that are legitimately happening to them. And they think it's part of the game. They think it's like one of those, you know, haunted right. house attraction houses you walk up to, you know, right. People have stuff set up. And I just love this, I- this idea a lot. And I love the way that they presented it. So after I'd finished VHS uh, and liked it, I looked up the individual directors of it. And another thing, it's uh three guys. They, they're kind of like, production studio name that they kind of use in place of having a list of three people in the credits for most of their stuff is Radio Silence. Okay. And uh, one of the other things that came up under their filmography was Southbound. And I uh, looked up Southbound. You know, I I knew hardly anything about it other than it was by these guys primarily and it was a horror anthology and I'll, like, I love horror anthology so much. I pretty much just watch them just to see because most of the time they're like an hour and 20 minutes. They're very quick to breeze through And because they're individual stories, their pacing is usually really good because yes, the stories can just kind of like go at whatever pace they want. Most of them are very fast paced because they have a limited amount of time to get their story across. So I I just
0: is very finicky because either it's overstaying it's welcome and the pacing is slow or it's a one trick pony that it's just doing on repeat over and over. And it's not interesting or it can be actually good. (laughs) So, you know, two of those are bad. So, you know, odds are a lot of the times in horror, it's just kind of meh. But yeah, yeah, anthology works a lot of those problems out.
1: Exactly. So, uh, the, three, the, the names of the three directors that formed uh, Radio Science. it sounds like a fucking band. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I saw them at the BOK once. Yeah, they're pretty good. They just stood on stage, uh, they didn't play anything. Yeah. Uh, Betanelli, Open, Tyler. Gillett and Chad Valela or Valela. I'm sorry. I'm probably I'm sure you nailed you. that. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. So I found Southbound and it was probably like my favorite movie that I watched for the first time, as far as like my horror binge through the month of October. Cause fuck, we'll get into it just more specifically. But like, I swear to God, this movie was like, Hey, we're going to make a movie for Jeff. And this is it. There's so many, <laughs> this is it. Here you go. This is, this is it. Like, there's there's, so many aspects of it that are just Jeff crack all the way around. I was just like, God God bless him. I fucking love this movie. So I wanted to introduce it to Ron uh, because it's also just like, I had never heard of this movie. And that's bizarre for me because usually even shit I haven't seen, I'm familiar with because of how just plugged in I am with movies in general. And like you were saying, I kind of like watch, you know,
0: all kinds of shit. So yeah, you even go the route that I don't do of just, oh, this person won an award for this movie for this role. I'm going to go check out this movie because of that. Uh, usually I just either see something that interests me or get word of mouth recommendations like you did for me with Southbound.
1: Yeah. Like um another thing I do is um I haven't done it the past few years, but for a few years I tried to, to watch the best picture nominees every year. Mm-hmm. And then the best picture nominees became kind of worse and worse over time, so I kind of stopped doing that. Like, the, the the Oscars, I swear to God, have gotten oh my god, fucking like somehow worse over the past ten years or so when they always were kind of garbage. But yeah, let's talk about uh, Southbound a little bit. So, what makes it very special to me as far as horror anthologies go is they have five segments in this movie. If you had told me every single one of them was directed by the same people and written by the same people, I would have believed you because this feels very cohesive for an anthology. Yeah, the Uh, uh,
0: cinematography, the editing, and the directing. It all feels like it's just being done by one person.
1: Which is crazy because they have, you know... Uh, three directors working on two of them uh because the 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 radio silence guys they do the opening segment and the closing segment you have uh with the the middle one it's you know it's a different set of directors so you have all of these you know kind of kind of cooks in the kitchen and most of the time like you kind of lose like the identity of the movie along the way or you have like segments that like uh that just are just completely like unwatchable, you know, someone just like, it didn't get it, but it feels like everyone got what they were setting out to do with this movie.
0: It's really interesting because it not only, not only are they separate movie, uh, separate stories, but they also interlock. And that's not yeah. something I'm used to experiencing with the anthology. Uh, usually I think of like the twilight uh, zone movie or something like or that creep show or where creep they're
1: where there's completely, you know, their horror and their short stories, essentially. But they have nothing in common. But there is a through line throughout this movie. And it and- feels very much
0: like just a movie. It doesn't feel like five stories like you were yeah. saying. And the fact that they interlock and it feels like it's just a movie. And we're going to assume, I am assume we're going to get into the structure of this thing later. Because, yeah, good lord. Good Lord, the, this was kind of blowing me away.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, you watch this movie and it's this little anthology movie that didn't even get a wide release, but there's so much fucking love and attention to detail given to, like, all the elements of this that I, I fucking love. I, I I watched this movie, I really, really uh, enjoyed it, and it like the more I read up about it and see these Easter eggs that we're going to talk about later on the podcast, it's like, man, like, I just love the attention to detail. Yeah, and the
0: environmental storytelling, and
1: <laughs> yes, yes, there's there's a, there's oh a bit of environmental storytelling that like I caught on this viewing tonight, um, when I was watching it for the show that I didn't even see on the Wikipedia page. So I'm interested to see if, you, if you caught it. Well, we got a screenplay rewind
0: exclusive. It's kind of <laughs> a screenplay rewind
1: exclusive to nobody (laughs) Bobby will enjoy it Bobby you are getting exclusive my friend but yeah so let's start out just by uh we'll getting uh to the first story now so the first segment uh is called the way out good game yeah (laughs) enough said moving on (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, have a good night y'all so the first segment's called the way out uh directed by the radio silence guys um the most notable thing that they went on to do uh is uh ready or not uh two of the guys and uh two of the guys of the directing team directed ready or not and one of them was an executive producer for it so that two of them are still kind of a directing duo and one of them is kind of like their producer buddy and that's the movie that i keep
0: wanting to call hide and seek that we went to go see right yes yeah i love that movie
1: <laughs> yeah uh, i uh i ended up having issues with ready or not because of the script but they just directed it they did not write it so pretty much everything I liked about Ready or Not was because of these guys, and the aspects I didn't like so much about it were the the, the script. So I was kind of happy to see that like my my kind of reasonings for you know disliking it weren't these dudes who I'm talking about and just gushing about you know for VHS and, right and way out, uh, but. Yeah, yeah, you're wrong. So, but continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, the way out opens up with these two guys driving away from something it's it's very mysterious as far as what they're driving away from they're covered in blood on the on the in the middle of nowhere on a highway oh. and the first <laughs> the first thing that told me i was like uh, i was kind of in for a movie made just for me is when they just stare off onto the horizon and you see this fucking creature oh that could be a bloodborn boss do they not look like fucking Bloodborne monsters you would fight? They look like something straight out of Bloodborne. Their design—I don't know any other way awesome. to describe them. I love they so the uh, this creature that you just see kind of staring at these two dudes driving down the highway. Like to just to describe them, they're oh we always forget to start out the podcast with this spoilers by the way. Oh, for yes. South yes, down. Yes, yes, yes. please, please watch the movie. Pause the show. Come back after you watch it, cause we go into full detail on everything we review. So yeah, the way to describe these things—they're just kind of these like wispy, floating, like half skeletons that at some points throughout the movie have like literal fucking Lovecraftian tentacle legs. I'm just like, goddamn, this movie's fucking made for me. I, I love it. They—they yeah. they ha- have skeletons that have like a half predator face, like the bottom half of their jaw, like unhinges like the predator. Yeah. It, and covering up the skeleton is this kind of like black, just like flab of skin. It's really weird. It's really strange. And it kind of opens up
0: like the aliens from independence day. Yeah. Yeah. Like It's really strange. Um, in like the best possible way. I am sending you some stuff in Discord to just look at because yeah. so we can talk about this thing because they are a little grim reapery looking. Yeah. Even yeah. down to like this little sickle-scythe
1: thing hanging off of their hands. It's so good. And, and the way that they they move kind of almost like silently. Like they 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 have uh these kind of like Screeches they do. They kind of the sound, sound
0: they make kind of reminds me of the silence. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call too. A little bit, you know. It's not the same, but it's it's very very similar.
1: And 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 they look like they could be like cousins of Nido from Dark Souls. <laughs> <Like> a, <laughs> yeah, just, it, just like yeah, and
0: we're we're going to talk later about what these things actually are or what they could be. But yeah, they are basically anyone that has seen Torchwood will remember the guy that jumped out the window and blew himself up. It's kind of like that floating with grim reaper wings and a a sickle for a hand. Uh, Yeah. It's, and they're just kind of everywhere,
1: but they're not doing anything. That's the unnerving thing. They're just watching they just watch for the, they 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 interact uh, we'll get into specific instances about how they interact here pretty soon but for the most part they just watch and they just they they watch from like the horizon
0: it's like part skeleton like from from the rib cage down it's like a spine part of a pelvis and then like either the circulatory system or like the nervous system just dangling in the air
1: yeah and they yeah and, and later on the the kind of like nervous system is replaced with like literal fucking tentacles that you're just like, shit, this is awesome. And like, not only are they good from like, just a design perspective, like when they were drawing it up to make the creature, but like the special effects of them is really good too. Oh yeah. The special the special effects of them look fantastic for how low budget the movie overall was. Well, the advantage of horror though, a lot of the time is
0: especially since all, a lot of this movie seems to be kind of in the same area. There's not a lot of location traveling. They they can funnel that money directly into the special effects, and they only need a couple of minutes
1: worth of special effects too. They don't need a whole lot. Yeah, Uh, I was expecting any special effects in this in this movie, especially for like you would think they would they would be able to get away with this good of an effect if it was in the dark, but like they're pretty ballsy about it. Like this happens in like the afternoon, like they just have it's broad
0: daylight in the middle of the desert. There's nothing else to look at but this creature. And they look great. And the way this movie opened blew my fucking mind because, like you said, they're just driving in a pickup. They're covered in blood. Something bad is really, something really bad has happened. And the guy's just looking over his shoulder and this thing is just floating there watching them as they're driving. The camera angles are very John Carpenter esque. The music is John Carpenter esque.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 And then further adding on, the fucking cherry on top. It has a Carpenter-esque, like, dun-dun. Yes, dun-dun. And I was just like, fuck, do you guys, like, know why it exists? And just handmade this fucking movie just for me because, like, fucking uh, Twilight Zone-esque, craftian elements. And it's a horror anthology. There's a Carpenter-esque soundtrack. Like, ah! <laughs> and the, I love it. The creatures, like we said, just kind of
0: watch. The first time you see them, I want to say... I don't think it's when he looks over his shoulder. At, like the truck drives by the camera and it wasn't there, then it is. And it's yeah, not first, real, it's yeah. not a jump scare. The music doesn't do anything no. or anything. It's just there. It's just weird. Yeah. And yeah, the first it's it's unnerving. Like I said before, the whole thing is just unnerving because they're not doing anything. It wasn't there. Now it is, but it's not in your face. It's just watching the truck drive by. The music, yeah. you're expecting like the music stinger. The music doesn't acknowledge it. The movie doesn't even acknowledge these things are there. The characters can clearly see them, but they yeah, don't seem surprised don't to see yeah, they them. They
1: don't. They're not surprised. Uh, and they, they don't. Yeah, like they don't make a note of it yet. They they just kind of keep on driving. Yeah. <clears throat> so another element that is omnipresent throughout the film is the DJ on the radio on oh, one hundred uh, six point one.
0: Rusty Nail is now a radio Rusty DJ. Nail, yeah.
1: <laughs> Rusty Nail from fucking Joyride, now even more of an asshole in hell. <laughs> Regret and
0: remorse, amends and atonement. That's life, right? Fuck. I, I, <laughs> I love this movie.
1: So the, uh, the, the DJ that pops on the radio all throughout the movie, because the, uh, every bit of the movie eventually has characters driving, and they always throw on this, this uh, station on the radio. 106.1.
0: I know that and, because that's a station I used to listen to here that I now don't oh, think yeah. I will
1: ever listen to again. No. <laughs> nope. Yeah. yeah. He basically if you are paying attention especially on like subsequent watches, he's he's pretty much like telling you the themes of the movie, but the writing is kind of clever because the way he delivers them the actor like it comes across as like some things a fucking DJ would say, you know, on some radio yes. station, you know.
0: All you lost souls racing down that long road to redemption and all you sinners running from your past, but heading straight into that pit of darkness up ahead. We're all on the same endless highway. The one with no name and no exits.
1: it's like, what? So so it's these kind of like, like these like generalized bits of dialogue that are, that end up being very specific once you understand what. Sorry. I just thought about demonic Casey Kasem. (laughs) So they, they end up being being very specific themes throughout the movie, but like the actor is so great at, at dishing out the lines that they don't really come across as like over the top or uh you know, just like they're, they're not blatant in the moment, but they are blatant when you watch it again. Yes. So the guys are driving, they come across uh come uh, they drive across this kind of little gas station with a diner attached. They exit out to go into the diner because they need to go and clean they need to go clean up the fucking just massive blood spatter. This is all over them. Like clearly they've, you know, been in some shit. Bathrooms for customers only, Jeff. Bathrooms for customers only. So they the two guys they go in. The uh the two of them kind of go in covered in fucking blood, and the first thing that tells you something is seriously wrong here is how no one else in the diner seems to give a shit or react to the fact that they're just covered in blood.
0: Right. Like, at first, you think the cashier is reacting
1: to it, and she kind of is, but she just doesn't really care. No. The, she's Sutter? She, was that was it Sutter? Yeah, Sutter. And that name is actually another Easter egg to uh, another movie that I might have on the show eventually. Um, her Her name being Sutter is actually a reference to one of the characters in In the Mouth of Madness, the John Carpenter movie uh, that I want to have on the show eventually that I think you'll like. I'm That's interested. <laughs> the, that is the Lovecrafty and Judd Carpenter movie with Sam Neill that I've been talking to you about.
0: You, you had me sold at Lovecraft, Carpenter, and Sam it's, Neill it's, individually. It's awesome. I don't it's know that I can awesome. handle
1: them together. It's pretty fucking awesome, but uh, Sutter Kane is the name of one of the, the main characters in that film, and that's a callback too. Because clearly they like Carpenter because of the soundtrack. It's, it's oh, yeah. fucking one thousand percent Carpenter. So they, the, they ripped
0: him off so hard, and he didn't even care. <laughs>
1: nope, he didn't sue them like he did uh, the fucking Guy Pierce movie. Uh, what was that? Um, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, how no. he? Lo- uh, there was the Guy Pierce movie. It was like the sci-fi movie Guy Pierce did, where he was breaking someone out of like a prison lockout lockout i fucking lockout. love that movie he sued them lockout is so similar in the script to fucking escape from new york john carpenter sued them and won <laughs> i shit you not this is an actual thing that happened
0: <laughs> i didn't know that yeah it's kind of it's kind of nuts <laughs> oh my god that's a good movie no wonder it was a good movie <laughs>
1: They just yeah they just, just the fucking New, New, New York script yeah. yeah. I actually I actually haven't seen Lockout but I wanted to when it came out. Yeah it's good. So uh they are in this diner and the just like the weird way that the the cashier the, is is acting how she's like more irritated by the fact that they were you know trying to come in without being customers instead of you know the fact they're covered in fucking blood right <laughs> and like clearly have just come from the scene of some like awful crime. And uh, one of them goes into the bathroom and is attacked by one of the bloodborne creatures. And the very specific manner in which he's attacked in the bathroom is actually an Easter egg. That we'll get into more detail later. The, the, the the, what, like the, the instance that like, just like really like hit the nail on the head that like, Oh, I'm going to fucking love this movie is they leave the diner. They, I, I knew uh, it. As soon as I saw this, yes.
0: I was like, this yes. is the
1: moment Jeff was in love. They get in their truck. they exit the frame of the movie <laughs> to the left and four seconds later re-enter the movie from the right side of the screen. I was like, "Ah, I love it <laughs> and and i I love the reaction Rough the guy night? driving was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> and that is his response for like the night. like it's just like they're just like, "What the fuck is happening?" but it's
0: there's gotta but be a way It's out.
1: cool in that this, the, the, that guy is freaking the fuck out about it. And the other guy is not. The other, he's just, he's just kind like, of. Well, of course. Yeah, because <laughs> the guy living. who's freaking out is his not accepting <laughs> what's happening. And the, the, the aspect of this movie and what ties the stories together is each of these instances is somebody's purgatory. And. Yes. The final cherry on top, you make it think about Purgatory. Jeff is there because fu- like, almost everything I write has some type of like Purgatory element to it because it lends itself like so well to horror anthologies because the stories are usually so short that you have no reason to explain anything in further detail. And it just adds so much kind of like gravitas everything when you just have these guys that have just kind of stumbled their way into fucking Purgatory and nothing's fully explained. And I love it.
0: So since we're already busting out the purgatory card, I want to talk going to revisit yes. the movie's title <laughs> because not only are they literally traveling south on a highway, are they southbound on a highway that our DJ has called the road to redemption, which I want to talk about that later in the accident. Um but they are these are all people in purgatory that have done yes. really bad things and are literally southbound And that kind of puts a lot of this into perspective. So,
1: so they're, they are leaving the gas station, the diner and they uh, kind of have, have a disagreement to where, like I was saying, how the one guy, Mitch has kind of just reserved the fact that uh, he points out that the creatures that are, that are kind of constantly kind of like closing in on them. uh, You know, he's, he's saying, you know, like they're, and it's made
0: very apparent that they yeah. can take these guys out anytime they want. By the way they move, and they move so fast, yeah. You don't even and really they, they, see they them can pop them out of nowhere. Uh, they they have just been lingering on. Yeah, they have just been lingering on purpose. Which may, is even more unsettling yes. than a thing chasing <laughs> you, in my opinion. Yeah, because now they're it's just, just toying
1: passively, with just fucking with them.
0: Which is why I've always found the predator more terrifying than yeah. the xenomorph, because um, yeah. You know,
1: uh, so the, the character, uh, Mitch, that's kind of reserved the fact uh, that they're in this kind of like purgatory state. Essentially, he says, you know, don't you get it? They're here to collect. Like he he gets it. Jack, Jack is the one that's kind of like, what the fuck's going on? You know, he tries to, you know, he's like, we just got to get out of here. He's And then, you know, Mitch is saying, you know, there's there's no way to you know, there's nowhere to go. It's 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 a done deal. So Jack is like, you know, like, fuck you, bro. He gets in the truck gets ripped out of the truck because the creature has now finally decided to, you know, just kind of like, you know, he's just no, he's he's just not going to get it. So, well, yeah, I was going to say, the guy made a decision.
0: And that's yes. the point at which this happens. Uh, the guy makes a hard decision of, fuck you, yep. I will not accept this. And that is the instant he that he ripped gets out ripped of the- out of the truck.
1: And, uh, why don't you tell us what happens to him? <laughs> He gets ripped out of the truck by one of the Bloodborne creatures and has one of its fucking scythe tendrils shoved down his throat. Oh, my God. It's fucking brutal, dude.
0: Which is a very specific, yes, very specific reason for that. And I think that tells us we know which creature this is specifically. uh, The
1: special effect as well Um, on his jaw. As you see his teeth kind of like realigned in his like just eviscerated mouth. Oh my God, dude, it's haunting. It's fucking really well done.
0: And they give you a close-up shot of it once it's done. And he's just laying on the ground. And that special effect is almost flawless, dude. It looked incredible. In like the worst way, which is the best way. (laughs) So, yeah, and then um, Mitch decides, uh, yeah, that's about right, and sees a hotel with one of the Bloodborne creatures just hovering outside of, what was it, room 6255? Something like that. He's just kind of invited in by this thing. He's not attacked. Because when the dude got attacked, I was just like, okay, well... These things are scary, but they're a lot less scary to me now if that's what's going to be happening. And then this happened. It, like, invites him into a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, no, we're back to terrifying and unsettling yep. because this should not be happening.
1: Oh, oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, or I don't know if you had caught it, too, uh, in your research of the movie. The, these two actors for Jack and Mitch are actually two of the directors. They're two of the Oh, radio. are they really? I yeah, did not know two, that. Uh, so the guy who plays uh, Jack... Uh, is this is this is simon pegg and nick froth
0: <laughs> the guy <laughs>
1: that... the guy who plays jack the taller one is it, yeah, he is still part of the director duo of the team uh who went on to help uh with ready or not as one of the directors uh, the guy who mm-hmm. plays mitch is their producer friend okay so they're still kind of active and buddies making movies and i'm so happy that Re- like while i didn't like ready or not that much I'm so happy it happened. It was a success because now these guys can go on to do more things. Like I'm super stoked to see what they do now. Like yeah, once you're I one three. of the
0: few people, by the way, I was not, uh, not all that thrilled about that movie. I think I might need to just watch it again. You know, you never know. Like, you know, some, yeah. sometimes you
1: just catch a movie think, at the wrong time. I think it
0: was more on the goofy side than you were expecting.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, uh I think you were
0: expecting like the most dangerous game I was hoping something. it would
1: be more like uh, another movie uh, that I I hope to have on the show at some point too, called Your Next, which is more kind of like in that vein. Um, there's
0: there's a lot of horror comedies that are just not worth watching because they're just stupid. I think that is one of the best horror comedies in the market.
1: Yeah, it, I I had personal like, all my issues with it were just like purely personal. Like I I acknowledge it's a good movie and people should go check out Ready or Not because it's it's really good. Um. So he goes into the motel room and it is uh, 6255. I think I think that's the one you'd say, I'm not sure.
0: I'm looking at it right here. It's 6255. The, we're uh, we're go- pointing out what room cuz it's important
1: later. Yes. Uh he goes into the motel room and he's uh he's just he starts to see things that would freak him out if he wasn't already just kind of like fully aware of what's happening at first because you see him walk into the room, uh the first weird thing that happens is the setting changes for a period of time, like it just yes. switches to nighttime. You know, when it was just in the afternoon, like you know, minutes before, and you know, clearly something is off at this fucking motel room. And he starts to hear a little girl's like laughter throughout the motel. He starts, uh, you know, running across the the room and through the hallways of the motel. He ends up kind of in a little loop where he's back at the front end of the ho- of the motel room, even though he just cleared it, you know, running by. Uh, the, the little girl eventually, uh, I think, calls him Daddy. Yes. And he's continuously uh, chasing after his daughter. He just can't seem to catch up with her. And that's pretty much the way his his characters... Why uh, help me, Daddy?
0: Why didn't you help me, Daddy? Yeah. Why won't you help me, Daddy? Daddy, where are you? All these type things as he's chasing her around and never able to catch up with her or find her. Yeah. And out of everything we just said, my favorite thing that happens in this story is probably the end when the, the, I don't know the, the maid, the housekeeping mm-hmm. walks by and puts a do not disturb placard on the outside of the door and keeps walking. I don't even think she stops walking. I think she just does it as she passes just, by.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love this movie. It's I so was great. like, dude, what? It's <laughs> this movie's fucking. This movie's fucking whack, bro. And like, oh, this, this movie doesn't give up. Oh, uh, and right, uh, you you also notice. Um, I don't think they show the blood at that scene. I think they show the blood as he's walking into the motel room off the side of the wall. But you see, as the the maid is placing the do not disturb sign, you see uh, bullet holes in the door as well. Yes, which uh, we will talk about in a little bit more detail later on. Okay so uh the way they transition into the the next this segment so of the cool. movie is they it, it's follow so simple, but so cool. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so cool. They follow the maid as she's kind of like exiting through the frame to the left and she goes to the room like the next room over to the left and uh it's uh populated by three kind of like you know 20 something uh women who are members of a band. They have slept in after a night of partying and are uh kind of packing up their, their van to kind of get back on the road because they have, they have a gig the next day. They're trying to, you know, get to it. So as they're driving, uh, and this story uh, is called The Siren. Let me just catch the name of the directors for uh, this one. Roxanne Benjamin. Roxanne Benjamin. Great fucking name. Written by Roxanne
0: Benjamin and Susan Burke.
1: So as they're driving I along... Love
0: a, I love a director-writer um, because I always feel like you get their vision.
1: Yes, and one of the Radio Silence guys is also uh, the writer of segments one and five as well. Um, I think it was the guy who played Jack. He's, <clears throat> it was the writer for it. So uh, the siren continues with them uh, on the highway. Their van breaks down. They're kind of trying to figure out what to do. One of them tries to call AAA, and they're like, you know, this place is so scuffed. You know, like, I, I think I heard the, uh, uh, the lady on the phone at AAA was actually at a bar. Which comes right. into play later. Uh they I kinda, don't even think I caught that until now. Oh, you didn't catch that? I don't think I even caught that until now. Yeah, you catch it dude. You gotta watch this movie a second time because you're gonna like be like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Oh my god, this movie. Yeah, the, I I wanna know how many times the script uh just as a collective like how do you do rewi- uh, rewrites for a movie that has five different scripts, you know? Like, well, especially
0: guy- since a movie is typically written on set more or less cuz there's so many rewrites done.
1: Like that, I, you know, they fast- get
0: limited by budget, they get limited by time, things change. Yeah. I don't understand
1: how this movie came out the way that it did. It would be fascinating to see just how this movie like came together cuz it's it's so fucking cohesive yet you know, all these moving all these moving parts. It's it's very impressive. So uh, they're kind of stuck. Uh, one of the characters checks the GPS on their phone and they, they, they say, you know, like, I can't even find this on GPS. They're, they're, they, can't get all the, you know, they can't get a proper connection with you know, AAA to come pick up uh, them or you know, help them with their broken down uh, uh, van that has a, I think it's a tire that's blown out. So yes. they're kind of just stuck in the middle of nowhere on the highway. When a couple in an old station wagon driving down the highway stop to, you know, talk with them. You're immediately like, what the fuck is going on with these people? Because they look like they're straight out of like a Norman Rockwell painting. And you're just like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening with these people? Because they, they look like they're from like the 1940s. They talk like they're an old family from like the 1940s. And you're yes. just like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, so Now, I want to say real fast, um,
0: David Johnson is the guy in the car. I do not know what I know him from. I'm I'm even going through his IMDb right now. I know All he's right, in Silicon it. Valley. It says, hmm. but, and euphoria, but I know him from something and I don't know what, and I, I know him because he was a standout in that. Also, he is amazing in this movie.
1: Yeah. The, the performance is pretty much like across the
0: board or across are pretty, the board.
1: Pretty, pretty much. great. Uh, the way that they the way that they talk they they sell this unnerving 19 like 50s couple so well so the three girls on the side of the road are you know they they start to argue about like uh because this this couple has invited them to uh to come back to their house because they have a friend who can help them you know, like with a spare tire to fix their van and get them back on the road and the the main character of the story Sadie is you know adamantly like they're fucking weird, you know, we we can't do this. We shouldn't go with them. And the other two are just like, well, what the fuck else are we supposed to do? You know, there's haven't been able to get to hold a triple A. You know, this seems like there's like, this is like our only option to, you know.
0: Your your first clue should be about Sadie because the other two girls are typical horror movie protagonists. Yeah, and she's just like, no, 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 no,
1: I don't want to get raped. We're not going. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, Sa- Sadie <laughs> is constantly like the the voice of reason for the audience member, uh, and that like, wasn't an off-color joke. That's a quote from her. by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> That's that a she says. <laughs> so they uh, Sorry, continue. She's kind of outvoted two to one. You know, they 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 get into the station wagon to go back to their house. Which I'm sorry, Jeff.
0: If you, me, and Bobby are stranded in the desert and you guys outvote me two to one, I don't give a shit. I'm still I, not
1: going. Yeah, yeah. I, agreed, <laughs> by the way. I'm staying in the fucking van, dude. Fuck that. So they get into the uh, station wagon with a, And a, a, a fucking line that they deliver that I love is they ask them how long they've lived there. And the guy uh, driving the station wagon just, oh, since the war. <laughs> yes. And the look on her face <laughs> when he says that. Because the, the girl in the middle, she, like, mouths to Sadie, like, which War. <laughs> I love that. Because, like, that's the thing about these guys, too, is, like, they're, you know, this movie is, for the most part, serious, but they have a couple of moments of levity where it's, like, they, they get how to... Break up the audience tension like just enough to keep it scary, but not be exhausting. And I feel I feel like Ready or Not did a good job about that too, because you know Ready or Not had moments of you know tension as well, and Ready or Not also had moments of you know being just you know straight up a comedy like we're talking about.
0: It's horror first with a dash of comedy, and that's the best way to do horror comedy, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they're they're great about balancing like the tone of their movies to me. Yeah, you can stop and take a fucking breath. mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. Uh They find a bear trap in the back of the station wagon, which uh That's not alarming. It's, yeah, it's fine. That's I'm, I'm you know. you have know, got che- like
0: three or four of them in the back of my car right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, you know,
0: you You never know when you're gonna
1: need one. They're so handy. There's definitely, you know, no instance of uh, you know, Chekhov's bear trap or this bear trap is definitely gonna <laughs> come into play about ten minutes from now. <laughs> so they are continuing with them as they go to their house. They uh go into their this little like you know almost like suburban home in the middle of the fucking desert and you're just like <laughs> what the fuck like sadie is constantly just like what the fuck's going on so there's also dialogue
0: that keeps happening that is delivered exquisitely by this man and woman like uh i i don't i don't remember how it comes up it's just like oh yeah there's no one around for miles. Just like as a point of conversation. Yeah. And
1: you're just like, Oh, don't go in the house. (laughs) Yeah. You're it's just like, it's like red flag, red flag, red flag, but they deliver their lines. So like friendly, they don't stop and look into the
0: camera and go, there's no one around for miles. It's just, Oh, don't worry. There's no one around for miles. Oh, don't bother locking up the car. There's no one around for miles. Yeah. And he says it. So like matter of factly, and so like, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, it's just literally nothing but it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: it. You're friendly neighborhood cultists, you know, as you do. Oh my god. So they go to their house and they uh uh they start to have conversations with the 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 two homeowners that ostensibly only Sadie can hear. And this is incredibly important because uh the the woman uh like the wife in the house says, you know. She starts mentioning about, you know, like, I, I forget the exact first quote she has about it, but she's something like, so sorry to hear about Alex. Yes, uh, she references an Alex. And Sadie hears it and is like, what the fuck was that? She immediately calls her out on it. She acts like she didn't say anything. And her two friends ostensibly didn't hear anything either. And this is your first clue that what you think is going on is not what's going on. Yeah they uh she uh the the, uh, the wife at that point you know says she's gonna whip up some supper you know in her you know su- I, it's it's kind of funny to me you know people in like the 40s and 50s had to have had this kind of like friendly sensibility about them and it's kind of sad how that is now just like an instant creepy factor that, for us yeah now, that's the you know? thing
0: that's creepy and weird it's 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 yeah. kind
1: of like uh i think about it too it's like you know how like classic 1930s and 40s music has become instant creep factor in the same way and it's just yes. like you know people back in the day you, you genuinely enjoyed those that went to clubs songs. to listen to this yeah. And, yeah and it's just like that is now relegated to instant horror for us now it's kind of interesting to think about but that's a whole other podcast my friend. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh sadie is continuing to be just like we shouldn't fucking be here. What the fuck's going on? These people are weird. Uh, they're her two friends are just kind of like you like yeah, you're being overdramatic. You know, like whatever. So they they you know agree to stay for supper. Holy shit! <laughs> they, uh, so supper that happened. So they go out uh, into their kitchen area to have dinner with them. They have invited a couple of their friends uh, who are I guess it's just like a, like a, like a neighbor family. Even though it's kind of weird because you know he said there's nobody for miles. You know, there's just like right. Red flag after red flag. They have their two <laughs> creepy sons that are like twins. This is they, so well done. Yeah, they don't really like like it's 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 weird because the 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 husband and wife uh, of the uh, on both sides of like uh, the table, you know, they have this like nineteen forties like friendly sensibility about them. Not the two twin sons. They're, we should also point out that they. Not only have that 1940s
0: like sensibility about them. They look like they're straight out of the 1940s. And so does the house.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah.
0: Everything it's, is 1940s.
1: Yeah, it's 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 very unsettling. But uh, yes, these
0: twins do not belong. Like you said, one,
1: two of these things are not like the others. Exactly. Uh they uh you know, are bringing out dinner which is I don't know exactly. So, it's a little uh, ambiguous. It, uh, so it, it essentially looks like like burnt roast beef that's been burnt to a crisp.
0: Okay, so Wikipedia has it listed as burnt roast beef. That is not roast beef, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. They say it's roast beef, and yeah. Wikipedia has them like as fact on that. Um, is this Alex?
1: <laughs> like, what? What are they eating? I don't know. Cause it's, my first impression was that's a person. My first impression was it's a person as well, but you still don't know. It doesn't look right. It, it looks like a human torso. Yes. It doesn't look right. It it looks like they're cannibals, but yes, you, you just don't know exactly because it, you don't in like the medicine they drink later. You're like, Oh God. This uh, fucking. So, uh, Sadie is a vegetarian. You know, she says, "I'm not eating your fucking mystery meat." <laughs> so, is she, or is she looking at what's she, on the table and
0: being like, uh, her, "Yeah, I'm a like, vegetarian." Her audible,
1: like, uh, I'm not, I'm not eating your fucking corpse meal, like whatever the fuck this is. <laughs> but again, her friends are just like, "It's really good. It's fine." <laughs> yeah. So, okay,
0: I was saving this for. For near the end, but I have a question for you, and this is the first time the question came up in my mind, okay um we've already brought up the purgatory scenario, so yes. I'm gonna go ahead and jump into this. Are her friends really there, or is it just Sadie that's there, and that's why her friends are playing into everything it's It's cool to think is this about- part is this part of her like torture
1: here so- in purgatory?
0: That so her friends are just happily going along with everything and dragging yeah. her along, and she keeps choosing to go with them.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the whole thing is is essentially just a mind fuck. Uh, I don't think any of anything you see with with Sadie is is really actually happening at this point. You know, it just it just seems to be this instance of like any like because her friends go beyond horror movie protagonists. Like they they're go beyond fucking,
0: horror movie protagonists, and the other thing that's weird is yeah. the like. They're so different from the way Sadie thinks. And usually, people that are friends track along the same track, even if they don't think identically, they think along the same means. And they are so polar opposite from Sadie.
1: Yeah. That like she
0: they're... is a standout from everyone in the room. The other two almost fit in.
1: And it's, and it's, it's and they cool, haven't but...
0: even had really the mystery meet yet. And they're already kind of fitting in. Yeah. Yeah, and Sadie is the standout, and it's like it's like they're in on it, you
1: know? exact, Yeah, exactly. That that's my read of it too. Is that it's 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 basically just a giant mind fuck for her. And the reason I wanted to point out earlier in the in the podcast that this is individual renditions of purgatory is so that we could talk about each uh, thing as it happens and how it, it kind of like relates to that person's purgatory. Because the driving force behind every single one of these stories is guilt. Yes. And the reason why they keep bringing up Alex is because uh, Alex was their fourth band member and, you know, close friend who had died. They don't go into specific detail on why or how she died, but we get a good idea. I think it, it, it boils down to uh, she and uh, Sadie and Alex were at a party or a club at one point. Uh, Sadie left her alone uh to go uh have a one night stand with some guy and at that point uh, either you know while leaving the club you know Alex had an accident and was killed uh in a car accident you know it's it's not specifically stated but you can make like inferences on what happened but she's very um, a,
0: a, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is stuff that we are pulling from what characters are saying they don't actually show or even specifically reference
1: events. Yeah, you have to infer a lot of things. You have this.
0: to infer a lot of things. And I know this is not a gaming podcast, but this goes back to our love of Dark Souls. Yes. And the way the story is told. That is exactly how this movie is kind of told also. You're only seeing current events and you have to infer the past.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it is like you mentioned earlier, environmental storytelling. A lot of it is stuff that you have to be very closely paying attention
0: yeah, there's like shit laying around in the room and stuff. Uh, it,
1: has Sadie found the switchblade in no. their room at this point? Okay, I don't think Spoilers. so. She, <laughs> um, I, she, she, I, I, she, I, I don't know. Uh, she might have. It's either in that first scene when they go to the bedroom, or it's in after the dinner party when she's kind of in full panic mode, searching the the cupboards. I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure.
0: But um, I, I know she finds it at one point says what the fuck and puts it back. Yeah, and um, then has a good reason to go for it later.
1: Yeah. So uh, the very last thing that happens at the the dinner party is uh, the two twins say, uh, you know, I thought there were supposed to be four of you and her and then their mother, the the friend of the, you know, the couple who brought them home to the house, you know, yells at them, you know, freaks out. And that's kind of like the last thing you see. Yes. You know, further insinuating, you know, like the callbacks to Alex and how Alex is not with them. So they go back to the room. Sadie continues to freak the fuck out as anyone in their right mind should in this situation because something is clearly wrong. Like, no one in their right mind would have eaten that food. It looks disgusting. Like, Yes. It literally looks like a body that was
0: recovered from a fire.
1: Yeah. Um, they go back to the room. They uh, start to continue to argue about it. Her friends continue to blow her off as her being, you know, melodramatic and always, like, kind of being negative about it. One of her friends goes off into the bathroom while she uh, she continues to argue with the other one and uh, further insinuating that this is just kind of her as as Sadie's kind of like personal purgatory is her friend just basically like calls her out for like helping to kill her fucking friend out of fucking nowhere, nowhere with a smile on her face and it's just like it's so it's so cruel and hurtful and you're just like why would you be friends with these people and I think. I think you're right. I, I don't think these are her, her actual friends. I think this is just, you know, a big kind of yeah. simulation almost for just for just for her.
0: Another question I have for you is, are these people dead? Or is that just kind of how it ends them? Or are these just moments and times they're reliving like that episode of Doctor Who when he was inside the little sundial thing?
1: Yeah, you don't know. It's never explained. It's, it's, it's completely up to, to, to your inference of, like, uh, have these people drifted into purgatory? Are these people dead? Is this hell for them? You know, like, mm-hmm. you don't know. I mean, it's uh, which, clearly
0: a supernatural thing. Either it's purgatory or there's just, just this one stretch of road that fate has brought them to that just yeah. does
1: this. Yeah, because there's and we'll, we'll get into it uh, more specifically with uh, the jailbreak story. But there are instances where you have conflicting um, information as far as whether this is actually happening and whether this is, you know, a legitimate thing or not. But, um, uh, in the middle of her argument with her friend who, uh, you know, like really talks about, you know, how she like, you know, helped her friend get killed. Vomits fucking black blood or some type of, like some kind of
0: ichor. I yeah. don't know what it is, but it's, I don't know what it is. About it. now this is after the thing crawls up the window, right? Wasn't yeah. there
1: a thing in the background? Uh, that was in the bathroom.
0: Uh right. her,
1: her friend in the bathroom has it. Uh, yeah. Which I still don't 100% know what the thing they show in the bathroom is. You know, like what exactly is she? Uh, is that in the background? It's, it's
0: not the bloodborne monster. It's it's closer
1: to a liquor from Resident Evil than anything. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was, I, and and uh, I was actually trying to pay attention to my subsequent viewing tonight to try to figure out what that thing was, but they don't ever really reference it again, so I don't know don't, what that I, is.
0: I don't even know why it's there. It's almost yeah. like someone said, "You got to have something spooky here." This is not spooky enough. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I I do not know what that is supposed to signify. If
0: I if I had a criticism of anything, I kept waiting for that to pay off, and it never did. Because like I already know something is up, movie. <laughs> yeah, I already yeah. know something is horribly I, yeah, wrong. I, I
1: agree. I I don't fully know what. I don't, the That's the thing maybe, I didn't you know,
0: understand, and I thought I just missed something.
1: Uh, maybe it was the thing that was more you know concretely explained, and it was an undeluted scene. You know, I I don't it's know something that was cut. Because there's so much attention to detail, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, I feel like it had to have connected back in some way or they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have signed off on it being part of the final product. Because, because like, it, could, this is one
0: of those things, again, where everything in this movie is very, very intentional.
1: Yeah, it's all intric- uh, intricately put together. Um, so uh, her friend she was talking with uh, in the room has the, the black ichor, you know, coming out of her mouth. She goes into the bathroom. Uh, yeah, the her friend that was in the bathroom also has the same thing. Uh, Sadie immediately goes out uh, for help from the family and and the rest of the people there at the dinner party. The last people I want helping me. Right? Yeah. She because like Sadie is like, we need to call nine one one. We need a doctor. And they're like, nah, it's fine. We'll use you know, uh, you know, like uh, the family you know, this recipe. Family recipe medicine. You know, they'll be good it's as finger new. looking good. It's got eleven <laughs> herbs and spices. They bring them out. This, like, disgusting-looking, like, chunk. It looks like like spoiled milk almost. I've never seen laudanum, but that's based on that name,
0: that's what I expect laudanum to look like. Right? Yeah. But it it, it looks like it would be
1: salty to me, and I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. And they bring it in, and they, like, just give it to the two girls who had the black ichor throw up, like, all over them. And they're just like, yes, yeah, let's, uh... I'm feeling a lot better. And they just, like, they go into instant, like, they're in a trance. they even make
0: out uh, I don't know the exact quote but there's even a line from the wife that's just
1: like oh yeah the first time is rough or something oh yeah um that's uh, the 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 friends who have been invited by the main couple uh the wife she says you know that first time it's always the worst right and they will have a laugh about it you know like, her friends are fucking vomiting goddamn black ichor in the other room and they they they're just like you know laughing about it yeah um so strange and- <laughs> So uh they give them the the fucking disgusting spoiled milk laudlum and then <laughs> leave the room Sadie's like we need to leave fucking now you know yes. like we need to go it doesn't matter what the like what our situation is with the van we need to just leave and and her friends you know oh also this point out they had the two girls change clothes into matching clothing in these like creepy old like style dresses. And from this point on,
0: they act like the twins do. We're doing everything yeah. in sync and stuff.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, they act like the, they're just complete drones of like a human being. Like they have like no autonomous thought. They're just there, you know. Uh, they're uh, the two friends as Sadie is trying to get them to leave. You know, they're like, no, nah, I'm too tired to go anywhere. You know, let's just go to bed. Right. And like you were saying, like they, they climb into the same bed together. They lay down next to each other. The girl on the right is just like casually stroking the other one's hair. And you're just like, God damn, this is not okay. Is all <laughs> kinds of dope. Oh, God. Yeah. And I and at this point, Sadie is in full freak out mode. She can't get her friends to leave. Uh, So uh, this is when she goes to get the switchblade. Uh, she, uh is, is it, Doesn't she look out the window first
0: and see like someone watching them from a distance
1: i think she might look out the window and see the twins uh and then she just kind of like closes uh, that, the, the. that's sh- when she, she
0: like closes all the windows and goes and
1: gets the switchblade i think yeah yeah she closes the windows gets the which switchblade. is good call good call yeah. sadie yeah sadie's doing everything in her power man like she's trying like and, and then like she could just leave but then she you knows she's trying to help her friends so she stays well uh, going back to guilt
0: right yeah, that's what she's being yeah. accused of is not helping a friend she could just leave and say "fuck this," you know, and yeah. get the fuck out. But she's trying to help her friends.
1: Mm-hmm. So she she sits at like the in between the beds with the switchblade and falls asleep. Uh, so when she she wakes up, her friends are gone. I think she hears kind of like some chanting going on outside, and is just like, "What the fuck's going on?" She looks out the window and sees. Uh, the, the people that were at the dinner party and her friends, they they are in these like weird kind of like cultish cloaks and they're chanting. They're walking out into the middle of the desert.
0: Yeah. And she's just like, shit, 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 shit.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, she runs out of the house to go see what the fuck is happening. And they are in full Lovecraftian cult mode. They are chanting. They are uh using a knife to cut the palm of their hand to use their blood for like a concoction which is never a good sign anytime never a, movie, a good sign anytime in a movie where people are you know uh ceremonially cutting their fucking palms not a good which sign. out of
0: all the places to cut yourself i know your blood, dude like
1: cut your fucking- i have
0: had i have had giant fucking palm-sized wounds on my hands before and it was a nightmare
1: Yeah, it's like if you're going to cut yourself, like maybe not cut where, you know, the millions of nerve endings are near, you know, like, yeah, I'm just just saying. But, oh, um, God. And everything
0: you do just reopens the wound and.
1: Yeah, you can't, because if you just cut your, you know, if you just cut like your upper forearm, you're fine, you know, you just put, you know, just bandage it up. You don't really use it that much, you know, it's fine. Right. But no, everyone cuts, and just immediately without thinking, cuts the middle of their fucking palm, <laughs> like, side <laughs> to side. It's like, Jesus does. And it's always disturbing to me, even more so, when people
0: don't react to cutting their palm. Yeah, agreed. This agreed. this is so routine that they don't even notice it, or they're so used to the pain that they don't even flinch anymore. Because yep. like it's one thing, it's creepy enough when they're doing that, but when they're just like, <sighs> as they're doing it, they at least seem human. But when they just reach up and slice over on their palm like it's no big deal, something they yeah. do every day and squeeze it into a cup. <laughs>
1: and that's and, that, and that's pretty much how the cultists are here. They they don't seem to react to the, the wound at all. Uh so they're uh using their concoction that they made with their blood and whatever the fuck else they're using, like God knows what's you know, they could be using the fucking loblum as a part of this for all we know. <laughs> right. They uh have the two be girls part of the there. medicine. Yeah, they have they have Sadie's friends there. They uh, have them kneel down and they uh, kind of inscribe these like sigils with the concoction on their forehead. Yeah, it's not
0: it's not they're not just getting Simba'd, right? They are actually drawing a specific like rune or a specific sign, yeah. on their forehead with whatever is in that cup, and then uh, it yeah. just dissolves into their skin.
1: Yeah, it dissolves to their forehead, and at that point, Sadie's just like. You know, nope. No. 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 It's, nope, 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 it's nope. a lost cause. You know, <laughs> uh, the the guy uh, who I think was the, the I think it was the the guest husband is actually doing the inscribing on their foreheads. He uh, is he has a quote where he's talking about how you know like the damned don't die, which uh, further ascribes the point to where you know like, these people seem like they're from a different generation. They literally are. These people are immortal uh, because of yeah. these these uh, ceremonies they've gone through they're immortal god knows how long they've been there uh since the war (laughs) since the war exactly no they've Um, only
0: lived there since the war
1: so they uh the two the two friends after the thing absorbs into her forehead uh sadie kind of like takes a step back and hits Chekhov's bear trap
0: (laughs) foreshadowed
1: (laughs) yeah Wait, and yeah. it's like it's like brutal too, because like they show like the, where the bear trap is like clamped, and it's like on like the fleshy part towards like the front near her toes, and you're just like, oh god, do not want. I like that she is screaming with her mouth covered, like yeah. she's trying to be quiet,
0: but she's, still kind yeah. of having a human reaction. Yeah. but it doesn't matter because they heard the trap clap, like yeah. they they heard the clank of the trap. Yeah, they, and they everybody the, like the looks her direction.
1: They heard the trap, they all turn immediately to her direction and they all have these kind of like glassy weird looking eyes and you're just like, "Well, this is great. This is going to be fine." They they look like hollows
0: in Bleach in like a human form. In the anime Bleach, they they have the black eyes, like the whites of their eyes are now black and then the color part of their eyes, their irises um are instead of gold like in Bleach, like the silver
1: pale yeah. color yeah they look almost like reflective it's it's uh yeah
0: interesting like a dog's eyes in the night or something
1: yeah uh or a
0: cat's eyes
1: so uh once they've noticed her 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 friends start to kind of like chase after her to to go after uh to bring her back presumably because they want to kind of indoctrinate her into the rest of the cult as you do and uh, you know, Sadie is kind of like uh with she's got one foot still in the bear trap, she's trying to break out of. She kicks one of her friends in the face, she slashes at the other one and is able to open up the bear trap and, and start to run away. Um, as she's yeah. running away, she kind of stops for a second to hide inside kind of like a like a shed or barn. And here is where she has uh a kind of run-in with this kind of ghostly apparition that you know is her friend Alex that had previously died. Yeah. Um <laughs> and uh she uh runs away uh from the the apparition of her you know her dead friend towards the highway <laughs> yep and oh boy I, oh said, my god dude she she is so okay so Sadie has managed to escape the cult she uh, she sees a car on the horizon coming towards her on the highway she steps out in the middle of the road to try and flag down this car and this is the beginning of the next story uh, called The Accident. Uh holy shit balls, man. The sound effects when he hits her with the car and the sound effects she's making as she's flipping down the road. I uh made the mistake of wearing headphones to watch Oof. this. Ooh I don't recommend that at oh, squeamish. Can't... I kind of want to go back and watch it with headphones. (laughs) Don't use the ships. Grab some shitty ones. Oh no. Oh, that's Um, awesome. Yeah, because like, dude, just just from fucking TV stereo, it was haunting. I can only imagine in like fucking studio headphones.
0: Oh my god, it was bad, dude. And we're gonna talk about a sound effect later in this one. Oh yeah. Um, Um. But yeah, she she flips over the car. And the, the guy has a very, like, human reaction. He's just, like, sitting there like, uh, didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen.
1: Looks at mirror, sees body. Uh, oh, shit, it happened. One, <laughs> yeah, w- one of the best performances <laughs> in the movie, I think, is the driver in the accident. I think yes. his his reactions to everything as he kind of, like, straddles the line of, like, that, that, like, fine line between pure panic and when you're trying to tell yourself this isn't happening, but you have to force yourself to come to grips with the fact that this horrible thing is actually happening to you. He's the, fantastic.
0: Uh, oddly enough out of everything this is probably my favorite one and a lot of it has to do with the acting in this
1: yeah uh th- this is probably- and a lot of the
0: sound design and stuff because
1: we're going to talk about some shit man uh this is probably my favorite segment out of the movie too um so just real quickly this uh, as we had mentioned uh this segment is called the accident uh, this was written and directed by david bruckner he is one of their buddies that they worked on with VHS. Um, David Bredner actually made the most famous story out of the first VHS. Um, and he also went on to direct another movie, you and I really like, uh, The Ritual. Do you remember The Ritual on Netflix?
0: Yes, I love that movie so yes, much. I
1: li- yeah, I like it a lot, too. He was the director
0: of that movie, so it's it's cool to see... Like- it's an old lady punching in the face, good time.
1: Oh, yes. One of the cinematic achievements of our generation is that, <laughs> that punch. So it's um, kind of cool. I do, like-
0: I do also want to shout out Lucas, is uh, Mather Zickle. I want to say is how you say that. He's the guy in the car oh, okay. that hit her because. Good God! This guy needs to show up in some more stuff.
1: I, I know, yeah. They, uh, I think Sadie is great too. He's um,
0: from. I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and he's from a lot of different TV series, like a few character, episodes character, here and there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he needs to be in a lot more stuff.
1: Yeah, he's he's fantastic.
0: Um, and we're gonna and, talk and, about some decisions this character makes later, too. By the way,
1: so, and it's also just like uh, this is this was probably my favorite uh way they kind of like merge from story to story as well because I think it's so awesome that the protagonist of the second story becomes like a supporting character. It doesn't character get more fluid. In, it doesn't get more fluid than that. Yeah. I think it's I think it's like such a cool little decision to to make a supporting character uh out of one of your your protagonists because it actually makes you because if he just ran over some random person, yeah it's it's awful but it's not a person you know you know their name. You know this is yeah, you, who,
0: you care because this is something that shouldn't happen to anyone in this case, you care because Sadie just went through some shit.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and was home free almost.
1: Yeah, it, when and it, this just literally came yeah. out of nowhere. It, it's heartbreaking that she went through all this shit. Is, um, making the right decision. You know, for the most part, you know, like she put up a fight. You know, she she realized there was a problem. You know, she's the voice of the audience in that segment, and to see her just like, get run over this car, it's heartbreaking.
0: Well, two things about that though. Um, you know, in theory this is a purgatory where you have the opportunity to correct a mistake but it's the inference is right that these people are making the same mistakes over and over again yeah so it's like if she's in this situation did she make the right decisions that's that's and yeah i i get the feeling that this is what happened to alex I get the feeling that this right here is what happened to Alex and this is why she ends up this way.
1: Okay. So it's this was what happened to Alex and she is now as part of her punishment living what her friend ended up going through essentially. Basically. Okay.
0: That that's what that was my takeaway. Again, this is one of those things that five people can watch it and come to five different conclusions and they're all valid.
1: Yeah, because I I, I didn't personally get that connection, but I really like that connection because they, they do they don't specifically. I don't think they ever come out and say that we know that, that
0: there's some kind of car crash.
1: Yeah, because uh, that she, kills Alex. Because in the second story, uh, she has like uh, like a dream of Alex in the middle of the road. So they yes. they do have context clues to this. So it very well could be that I like that 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 connection. If it was what they were going for, that's just the thing. That's just the thing you don't know for sure because it's just inferred. And then to kind of tie it further together. Um,
0: Lucas here. I get the feeling like if you just read Wikipedia, it's like, oh, he sees her lying on the ground. He calls nine one one. Did he just call nine one one? Or did he really stop and think about abandoning her since no one is around? He, no uh, one yeah. saw. She's I, not gonna make it. It's clear by looking at her if he leaves her.
1: It's very obvious to me that he almost drove off. Yes. Uh, and uh, we needed to mention that the the reason the crash happened is because he was on his cell phone while uh, while he was driving. He was uh, he was looking at uh, picture messages back and forth from his uh, from his wife, not paying attention to the road when he ran over Sadie. Yes. So he has this, uh, and uh, it, he looks very very close to because uh, yeah, you know he lies to his wife. He's you know he tells his wife everything's fine. It looks like like you're talking about how he's. So close it, it, this, to this driving scene away. looks
0: like it's wrapping up um wrapping up Siren and not starting the accident. It doesn't look like you're starting anything new yet. Mm-hmm. Because he at this point has not decided to help her. It looks like this is just how we're signing Sadie off.
1: Yep. So and so, then
0: he makes a fateful decision to do the right thing or at least mm-hmm. attempt to. <laughs> at
1: this point, yeah. Uh so he 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 calls 911. Nine one one, which by the way, the, the, it's always the same voice. Anytime anyone calls anyone on the phone, which is yes, cool. the radio you know. DJ is always the same.
0: Nine one one is always the same. Always the
1: same. So he calls nine one one. Nine one one is trying to get EMS out. They can't help him though because he, he doesn't know where he's at. He checks his GPS. Can't find himself on GPS. And oh, it was- did we point out?
0: That every time it shows the highway sign, there's no number. Is there no? It's the state south. highways. Yeah, it just says yeah. south, and it's the state highway sign, but there's no numbers in it.
1: Yeah, it's just a nameless, and you know, I just, there's no identity to the highway. It's just a fucking highway, and it's just going south. That's all you ever see.
0: Fuck, I it, love this movie, it, bro. It, it, it's like none of the characters gave any thought to where they are
1: until they needed to know. Yep, and it's too late at that point. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. So, by the the way, when he walks up to her, nothing freaks me. I could watch an insane amount of gore just from all the horror movies I've seen, but nothing freaks me out than seeing shit with knees. (laughs) Oh, I know. Her fucking knee is bent forward at a 90-degree angle, and it's like, oh, no. Mm, I mm. I can't. I can't, dude. Because, like, I can watch any amount of horror movies and for the most part just be completely unfazed, but you show me like you know like some people watch YouTube videos, people like having like bicycle crashes and like breaking their arms and shit. I can't do that.
0: I uh, I cannot I cannot do it. Cannot handle that.
1: Uh, it's I, I watch a lot of football. Always freaks me out when someone mm. gets injured <laughs> and they replay the fucking injury like twelve times. I'm like, can we stop? <laughs> can we please stop? <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh no! <laughs> so yeah, her knee has been a ninety degree ang- angle in a compound fracture. She's convulsing; like it's a miracle she's alive at all. So he calls 911 One, which also block.
0: lends credence to what we're talking about: this being a purg- purgatory, because she should not be. She should be she'll,
1: She lasts a lot longer than she should. Yeah. She, she should have been dead on impact, to be honest. Yes, um, because you can die on impact from a car crash a lot slower than how he was going he was going like 80 on the highway like she should have been dead instantly oh yes um so he calls 911 911 is like hey we don't know how to get anyone to you so why don't you just like you know pick her up that's that's gonna be because like yeah his reaction to this because you shouldn't do it that's like the number one thing you don't don't do is you don't move the person you know like right that's the number one thing even in this instance i think ems would have been like we're gonna find a way to find you. Do not move her. You know that's because you know like, there's spinal implications and you know all these different medical implications of moving the body. If you're not a professional, that you know like, like I was saying, like fuck. Even for football, you know they they don't move <laughs> people like when they've been injured in that way. You know they they bring out a stretcher and they. I just you know,
0: imagine you sitting at home as he's going to scoop her up. And you're like, come on, man! They don't even do that in football. Don't do
1: that fucking football, bro Like, come on. <laughs> Which should, you know, warning flags about the people on the phone <laughs> who come into play <laughs> later. So they're just like, yeah, we want you to scoop her up, throw her in the back of the seat, it be fine. I want you to drive her to town. You're like, that's all we can do, you know? But yeah. the people, the performances on the phone, the way that they talk and the jargon they use, you, you feel like you're actually, to an extent, talking with EMS, even though the instructions they're giving to him sometimes feel a little suspicious or outright wrong, you know? They deliver again, it well. And again, Lucas's reaction is... What? I didn't sign up for this shit.
0: Yeah. And he's really contemplating just leaving at this point. Yep. Again. And at that point,
1: yeah, I kind of am too. <laughs> like, yeah. Do what? Because he's a little suspicious about like, yeah. I don't know about that. So he, he picks her up. He throws her in the back of the car. And to me, the moment this, like you were talking about how, like we were still in the cleanup from uh ending the story of, of the uh, the siren instead of, you know, the accident. When he's driving away with her in the back seat and the EMS people on the phone have him talk to her, that to yes. me feels like when it switches to where this is this is becoming about his guilt and no longer about Sadie's. Yes. Because he turns to her in the back seat, you know, he's like he says, you know, like, very sincerely like I'm mean, you know, like, I'm doing all I can do. I'm going to do all I can and he drives her into town. He So about that?
0: And with the way this one ends, I get the feeling that a situation similar to this is why this guy is here. And that he did just leave even without saying anything. And that's why he's here. And now he's reliving it a second time.
1: Yeah. And having different um, decisions uh, made at different points of the event uh, in in the the purgatory simulation. Yes. So he's driving through the town. Purgatory simulation.
0: (laughs) Purgatory simulation that's uh that was my favorite band a few years ago
1: yeah they op they they open for radio silence yeah they're pretty good <laughs> they open for radio silence. <laughs> they uh, uh so he still has e m s on the phone uh as he's driving to the town uh he's trying to find out where the hospital is all he sees are you know he just like he said, he mentions he's he like a barbershop he finally finds a hospital, drives up to the front of the hospital you know grabs her out of the back of the car and is is running into the hospital to try to give her uh, get her to e m s and you know uh people who can actually help her in the hospital and no one's home there's <laughs> nothing more scary
0: to me than a hospital jeff when it's staffed i do not like hospitals yeah i hate them too a- a- i and absolutely hate
1: them uh they're, they're like i'm not i'm not the type of person that like outright believes in ghosts but I never get more close to the point of believing in ghosts than when I'm at a hospital. It just feels haunted to me, even if I don't fully believe. If that makes sense, like part
0: of it is because you know, you know, people. You're in an died. area, possibly even in a room where people have where died. someone has died. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But then it's also it's just so sterile, and everything is so white, and it's like it's like unnaturally sterile. It's got that that chemical smell about the air. Yeah, yeah. like. It's almost everything is so bright. It's almost dizzying with how white the walls are and the ceiling and the floor. And it's just, I do not like them when they are staffed. I'm going to shit myself. If you put me in one that is empty. Yeah. There's no one around. It's got power. There's TV on but there's just no one around and there are fucking operating rooms ready to go.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are malfunctioning like lights everywhere, but in the operating rooms, it's lit little yes. like a fucking Christmas tree. And it's just like, you, you, uh, the, uh, the way that the, the, the purgatory, uh, scenes just kind of like usher characters along is really cool. Uh, and creepy. Because they just kind of like are ushering him along into the operating room and oh my god, Rod, when he's holding her <laughs> oh, dude, and her no, fucking no. leg breaks again. Don't wear headphones. Oh my god, dude, I can't, I can't. Uh, oh my she god. she reacts first,
0: and then that's when he sees it happening. Oh, uh, so her leg is just like coming off
1: (laughs) yes it's 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 hanging by literally a fucking thread dude like oh my god i I can't i can't and the Uh, sound
0: design is it's like tearing away from her mm -hmm. and that is like what he's been carrying her by
1: so he's like starting to lose his grip on her because what he's holding Is no yeah. longer attached. Yeah, he's 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 holding her like one of his uh you know points where he's holding her is her fucking ninety degree angle bent knee going up like no thank you no thank you yeah so uh, her her performance in this segment as well as she's reacting to all of the things is great you know she oh really my god it. uh he uh, takes her into the operating room and this is when you really start to see that EMS is fucking with them the voices over the phone because. They give him just enough jargon and just enough legitimate medical things that he's, you know, like that as a person that who isn't in that field would be aware of, you know, like the innovating and stuff like that. Like
0: like when he's digging through everything, trying to find the thing and she's just yelling all the different terms at him that it could have written on it. Yeah. Like stuff like that is what kind of like is selling it. But at the same time, you're like, this isn't right. Yeah. Right. No one would ask this of anyone.
1: Yes. The voice in the no back of No one would head. want
0: you attempting any
1: of this. Yeah. A- and and Lucas is reacting the same way the viewer is. Every he's like,
0: Wait, something isn't happening. Something's something off. isn't
1: right here. But he's he's going to try because he, 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 he he's wants being driven thing. by guilt of again I
0: believe the same thing that he did abandon. He, he just that he just left them. Yeah. In in, yeah. in reality. Yeah. Because he even told her, I'm going to do everything that I can. And this is him trying to deliver on that, even mm. though it doesn't seem right. Doesn't he even tell them to
1: like fuck off at one point? And then he goes and does the thing like, yeah, he has a few moments like that where he's like, he's very combative with them over the phone, you know, where he outright kind of tells him to fuck off. And then, you know, and then he's like, fuck, you know, what was I supposed to do again? You know, and he kind of does it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are several th- points where it looks like he's getting ready to just run. Which at this point in the fucking abandoned hospital, with you know, like (laughs) you almost I wouldn't have gone in. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Ron Ron would have walked in, seen the abandoned hospital, just sat the girl down gently, and just backed out of the room. Would have (laughs) rang the bell on the desk, and then would have Homer Simpson out of there. Oh yeah, and and the hospital also real quickly looks to have been abandoned like in an instant because there's like food that was left out that is now rotten. Where yeah, it, it's like the fucking rapture happened and everyone yeah. there was a saint. Like exact yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh so they they uh he, he is giving uh people over the phone instructions about like uh you know like what he's seeing, what her state is. They they ask to like hear what her breathing sounds like. And they continue to have him uh intubate her. He can't find the actual like he all he can find is the tube. So they literally have him put his fucking fingers on her throat to innate, to to intubate. He's like, "Oh my god, what
0: is happening?" Now, this is the point when he's yelling about how he can't do this, this is crazy, blah blah blah, that a new voice comes onto the phone.
1: Yeah. The, there's and, a, yeah, cuz it was it's a it's a guy's voice this time who says he's a surgeon. And it's it's a sharp, gets your attention voice. It's a very
0: authoritative voice. Uh-huh. And he uh, he refers to himself as the surgeon. I wanted to point out this actor also. His name is Justin Wellborn. And you may know him from the MacGyver TV series. Oh, my favorite. Oh, yes. Um, Justified. Oh, I actually might have seen him in that. I did like Justified. Yeah, he was Carl, it says. Um, VHS Viral. Um, I didn't see that.
1: I saw, I saw VHS 1 and 2, but I have not seen Viral, so I did not see him in that.
0: Yeah, and The Crazies. Oh, and Final Destination. We should cover so, Crazies at some point. I like Crazies yes, a lot. we should. I think that's on Prime actually. I I think I actually own that movie too. I really like. Oh the well, movie. there you go. Yeah. But yeah, um, this guy. Holy shit, him and Lucas, like I just want a buddy cop movie of the two of them, dude. In,
1: in purgatory. In, in purgatory. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's start. One is Harvey Bullock and one is like the straight laced guy. It's like the odd couple, but they're detectives and in purgatory. Purgatory (laughs) (laughs)
1: 911.
0: Give it to me now. I want it. (laughs) Uh. Oh, but yeah, this guy, this voice comes on. And not only is it more authoritative and it grabs your attention immediately, not just because the change of voice, just because, you know, we've been dealing with. Um, two female voices that were, I don't, one of them is kind of a higher pitch, one of them is kind of like a mid tone, it's not just that this one is deeper this one is literally speaking with authority, and you the viewer are like, oh my god, it's Satan himself <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, my god
1: a, he's got a fantastic voice Like, he's he, got a
0: fantastic it, voice, and he's talking like someone that would be in that position, and he's matter of factly telling him what to do, as if he's done this a hundred times,
1: yeah and he's speaking in that kind of tone you have to have to make people who are freaked out do what you say like you you yes. have to you have to cut through like their sense of panic to make them listen in his voice and like, he's
0: going slow and steady he's being yeah. very descriptive it's mm-hmm. like he's teaching someone yeah he's not just saying ram the thing down her throat like he's giving him very specific directions yeah and then a scalpel
1: <laughs> oh what? my god okay <laughs> So uh, while he has one hand jammed down her throat with the fucking intubating tube.
0: The, she <laughs> bites down, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and he, he is now the the leather strap to like her pain mm-hmm. that she's feeling like anything she feels, he, she's going to bite harder.
1: And while he has his hand jammed down her fucking throat while she's biting it just out of pure convulsion from pain, and blood loss and everything like reaches over because they have convinced him. He has to compress her lung to save her. Mm. And he makes the five to seven inch incision. Just like he's told he reaches mm. his hand up through the mm. flap of her skin above her fucking rib cage, Mm-mm. bro. Mm-mm. And this, Mm-mm. this affects fucking great too. Cause like, it, it looks like he's doing it. Like mm. there's, <laughs> there's no like separation really where it looks clearly like, you know, he's, you know, on a plate, like, Putting his hand in a prosthetic special effect, like it looks legit, like it's it's, yeah. it's also really well done here too. The practical effects and the CGI and the creatures, Chef's kiss, fucking great. And he yeah. reaches up and like, oh my god, like they 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 cut over to Sadie's face, and as he's about to like compress her lung, you just see the single tear roll down her face, and it's like it's so heartbreaking, dude, because it's just like she went through so much shit to like go out in that scenario. Is fucking brutal, you know, like yeah. And he compresses her long and she and she dies. And you're just like, yep. "Fuck, dude!" After all that, after all that, to go out like that, and then when the voices over the phone start maniacally laughing like fucking Dark Souls NPCs, you're just like. And it takes him a minute to notice. Did you notice that? Yeah, because he's just like he's in pure shock at this point. You know, he's just yeah, just, yeah just pure shock. I love
0: the, the touch that he doesn't just react immediately. It
1: takes him a moment. Oh, also too. He has a. If you watch the scene again, he has a brief glimmer where he like. You know how like when people are laughing, you instinctively laugh along with them. Yes, a he, he does second. it for an instant.
0: Yeah, he. And then brief, he realizes what's happening. It's like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, he has this brief instance of where he has like a quick little like, like flash of a smile like as if he's about to start laughing with him, and he's like, wait, what? And yeah. the and the laughs just like keep coming and coming and and you know you you kind of see how they've been they've been fucking with them. And like I, I like the scene too, where he he drops the earbud uh, that he was using to talk to them on like the, the the earbud headset, and it just lands in the blood. And you hear like the kind of like distant laughing, as if you were listening to the earbud on the ground. That's a cool yes. little touch too in the sound design that I like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, the thing I was gonna talk about too later is
0: that thing is covered in this woman's blood, and he sticks it back in his ear. Yeah, dude. that's pretty grody, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck does that? Yeah.
1: Let's, yeah. Oh my God. So he walks across the hospital. Tries to leave because he's just in he like between like the laughing and yeah you know, he he you know he just literally killed this this girl this 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 poor girl who who he already ran over with his fucking car he he now after trying to quote unquote save her you know doing all he can you know with these instructions he was given you know kills her himself. He can't escape the hospital the hospital there's this great scene where they they zoom in on the the exit sign and they yes. pan down and the the door is just like these like massive chains just bolted closed which mm-hmm. fucking love it then firing that somebody did that right after he went in
0: yeah so even well, if he had chosen fuck this i'm out he's stuck in there with her
1: mm-hmm. um just, just so- to watch her die so he can't get out of the hospital. He's like, he's freaking out. They have another like David Breitner, the director. So some of my favorite shots are all in the accident. Like there's this great shot too. Right after you see how the exit door is shut, he, he shows the shot outside the hospital of his face in the window of the exit yes. door screaming. And you hear the audio as if you're hearing on the opposite side of the door. And it's just like, oh man, so many great little touches of cinematography that it's like fucking Jeff crack. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. <clears throat> so he, uh, so he is kind of meandering around the hospital, and he, and he kind of just like eventually just slumps in the, in a in a corner of a room, you know, just like thinking about everything and like what the fuck do you do? So he just sits down, and this is kind of the culmination point of the story. Is the people he eventually, uh, he eventually starts talking to the people over the phone again, and you know they tell him, you know, you know this doesn't have to be, this doesn't have to be this way, you know, you, yeah. Uh, you know, you can just you can just walk away. And well, he's like, first he the first thing that
0: happens is you know, he's like, I don't deserve this. Like, yeah. he was in the middle of nowhere, in the dead of night, da-da-da-da, and he's going on and on, and he's just like, I do not deserve this. And then that great that great male voice again was just like, no, you don't deserve this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it,
1: it's just like, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just like, Kind of talking to him, kind of calming him down. It's like, no, no, this is this is going to be fine. You know, you know, go go to the locker, go to the locker room. So he goes, he finds the locker room. He finds an exact match of his clothing, completely untouched.
0: Mm-hmm. No blood,
1: no nothing. No blood, no nothing. Ex- like an, an exact match of his clothing he was wearing. He has this look on his face where he's like, "What the fuck is this?" But he puts it on. He cleans off all of the blood, cleans himself up, where he looks just like he did, you know, in the moments before the crash. He is now able at this point to exit the hospital. He exits the hospital. Grabs, I love this detail I, I love this detail too. He pulls out his car keys with his remote entry, unlocks his car, staring forward at his you know like fucked up uh car from you know following the crash uh what beeps is an exact replica down to the license plate of his car behind him it's like oh. i kind of I kind of wish
0: uh just to do it just to kind of seal the deal like the license plate was cool but if he had just looked at the bottom corner on the driver's side of your windshields where your vin number is Uh if the vin number had matched oh yeah i would have been like oh this is exquisite right like if the vin number had been the same
1: and yeah and he he gets in the car Uh, also inside the car are his belongings like
0: in, yeah, in but,
1: exactly the way they were sitting, yeah. Before the crash, he, yeah. He has like a crossword puzzle, and I think like like a newspaper or something, um, like laid out in the seat. It's just it's an exact, you know, he's wearing the exact same clothing, like and in, in the exact same car, in the same shape it was pre the accident, like down to a T. So he drives off. Um, he's he's not accepting guilt for what's ha- for what's hap- uh, happened. You know, like these voices on the phone are urging him on as far as like you know, you didn't deserve this. You know, it's it's gonna be fine.
0: And what did, hold on, I want to look real quick. Um, This was the accident, right? Yes. And the the DJ on the radio comes on here and says, Now, where were we? It seems I lost my train of thought. Well, folks, the mind is a tricky demon, I'd say. All you can do is turn the music up, hit the gas, and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Try not to linger on the things you left behind, because you cannot undo what's been done. Ain't nobody gonna
1: buy your bullshit. Say la vie, as they say. And as he's uh, as he's driving away, um, you see in the last frame as he exits this, as he exits the scene, uh, one of the creatures uh, is staring at uh, off at him at the car. And you switch over to who has been making part of the phone calls to him. Uh, it's a woman in a phone booth, and she just yes. says, "You know, like good night, Lucas." And that's the ending of the. Accident segment, and this
0: is another flawless transition. But, um, I want to linger on Lucas for a moment because this story is the standout. This story is the one where it seems like the dude made the correct decisions to get out of his loop and move on, move forward. Because, I again, I don't know if these people are dead or like trapped in a physical thing. This area seems ethereal. I don't know if they're in a different plane of existence or or what, but he seems to have gotten out of it. And mm-hmm. he seems to be the only story that ends that way. And, and and this is kind of inferring that, you know, Sadie didn't have to end up where she did. Um, There should be something somewhere that she could have done to prevent that. Um, The Way Out, which is also going to tie in with The Way In later, Obviously, that could have gone differently, mm-hmm. and but uh, so they never got there in the first place. But it also infers that they got into this situation, but there seems to be a way that they can get out of it if they yeah. make the right choices, yeah. Uh, and it, it's like I don't know if this guy's alive, if he's going to get to resume his life, if he's going on to the next plane of existence, but he doesn't seem like someone who's just gone through something traumatic either when he's leaving. You know what I mean? Like when he's leaving, he's driving, he's looking at things in his rearview mirror and he, he drives out of the town and we see what happens to people that try to leave the town that shouldn't mm-hmm. in the next one. Thus the name jailbreak. Um, but he seems like someone that I don't want to say is like peaceful or somebody has like come to terms with
1: something. Even if that thing was awful. Yeah. Like, like it, it almost yeah it almost it almost feels like this this purgatory existence comes down to like you and we'll get into more detail later with the final uh segment it, it's to like touch. a redo yeah uh there are definitely uh evidence that there are loops that they're they're going through these purgatory situations repeatedly it's not a one and done type of thing and I, I think yeah. you're right I think in this instance because he has done all he can to save her in that instance you know like despite all the like the horrible shit they put him through like he, try, he genuinely tries to save her he does he does the right thing to the best of his abilities with his with you know like and you his, can't argue that he did otherwise
0: yeah right I mean he did really he good put it gave, gave her an incision and reached up inside her I mean uh, what more could you expect from him uh, the guy is literally doing everything in his power and when I was watching this I was just kind of like, hold on when he got out. Because I kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for the thing that was going to happen, right? Because everything has ended poorly for everyone so far. And while on the surface, this seems like it ended poorly, it at, at the same time, it doesn't. Because a bad thing happened, but in the context of just this little micro story, right? it ends kind of well for him in a way, because he does get out. He does escape it. So it's like, it's almost like it's saying, yeah, the the other person that you hit in your other life or whatever would have died anyway, but that's not the point, right? The point was you abandoned them. Here's your chance to make it right. Mm-hmm. And she still dies anyway, because like Sadie made the wrong choices in hers it's for her to end up here in this guy's story so she think bad things were going to happen to sadie anyway that's out of this guy's control just like it might have been out of the guy's control in his real life but this time around he did try to save her and therefore he is released and you know you keep waiting for it and then he just drives off and then it like he drives past the uh the lady in the phone booth like you said and she just says like what was it good
1: night lucas G- good night or... lucas i think it's her last
0: line to and him. then hangs up and walks off with kind of a smile on her face and like a pip in her step and you're just like
1: hold the fuck off yeah yeah you don't but again it is ambiguous because of he could it, just be living this over and over he uh or even if even if he uh has passed the test you still, as he's as he's leaving, he drives right past. They make a point of showing that the creature is looking at his vehicle. Yes. So, like, you don't know, because, because like, the the main two guys in the, the first and last segment are able to, like, be mobile within, like, their storylines, too. So you don't, like, it looks like it's ambiguous, uh, the ending of Lucas, because he might have made the correct choice and been able to move on with his life. Or... Because even though he did the right thing in this instance, he is still not taking responsibility for the accident because he didn't just stay and accept his purgatory. Right. So the simple fact that he did everything right up until he he brushed it aside and decided to accept the fresh new car and fresh new clothes and leave like you can't be the wrong choice. You can take it in that he did everything right up until that point and him leaving the purgatory, his purgatory was supposed to end with him sta- him stuck in the hospital, just like Mitch in the motel. You're right. Uh, so, and then yeah. there's
0: also the line. I think we glossed over where it's like, do I have to worry about this? No, Lucas, you don't have to worry about this. Like, is this going to come back to me? Am I scot free? Is this going to be traceable back to me? Like, all of a sudden, he's back to, like, worrying about himself. Which, I mean, at this point, who else is he going to worry about? But it's just like, is that the wrong decision? Or does it matter because he passed the test? Does it does it matter what he says and does now? Or, like, you know, he doesn't see... It is nighttime, but he doesn't seem to react to seeing a creature. He doesn't act like he sees a creature. Can mm-hmm. he see the creature? Like, you know, you there's know. so much... There's so much that you can pull from this.
1: Yeah, this, this is the standout. This is the best part of like, my, my, my by far favorite is, is the accident. Because I, I think all of the parts like are really well put together and they all follow the same themes really well. But the accident just like is a, a, like a perfect execution of this type of like theme they were going for of purgatory and coming to grip with your decisions. And also the ambiguity of it all. Because like we've been talking about for 10 minutes, you know, we don't we don't know. You do not. Right. You do not know how it goes for Lucas, but fuck, it's such a good. My my personal interpretation is that he beat it. I
0: like that one because, you know, that makes the story completely
1: different from all of the others. Yeah, but um, it it could
0: be literally anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, my my personal representation of uh, my 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 personal interpretation, I should say, of it is by him not accepting responsibility and staying in the hospital, which was his purgatory and brushing it aside is, is that he's that, just
0: going to go hit her again
1: uh, on yes. his way out of town. I, I I think he, I think he gets the closest to, to passing the test out of any mm-hmm. of them. But in my opinion, because I think he was supposed to stay in the hospital and that's why he was locked in. I right. think his purgatory and his hell was supposed to be taking responsibility for it and accepting it and just staying there with her. And that was supposed to be a story, but because he takes the easy way out of "I'll be fine, this is gonna be fine," and leaves, and then, he, and he then, felt then the whole, uh, and then the whole "I didn't deserve this," mm-hmm. and that, yeah. But they're both valid interpretations, and that's what makes it awesome. You know, like we always talk about, like, what makes Dark Souls so awesome is everything is ambiguous. Every person's interpretation is accurate because it could be right and it could be wrong. You know, there's no <laughs> if if you're listening to this
0: and you play games and you haven't played dark souls, we highly recommend dark souls and, and,
1: uh, uh, play bloodborne (laughs) too. Uh, and you'll get a whole, whole, uh, dousing of creature design that looks a lot like the dude in this uh, movie. That's for damn sure.
0: Hey there listeners. Me again, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to part one of our coverage of Southbound and that our next film is my pick. And I picked a movie on Netflix called Circle. Now, if you're watching The Circle, then you're watching Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, and that is the wrong film. This is a film from 2015, and it's just simply titled Circle. And it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. And I've been trying to get Jeff to watch it for some time. So I made it my pick for next time. So from this point you got two weeks to uh seek it out on Netflix or otherwise and find it. According to just watch, it is available on Netflix still at this time. And yeah, thank you so much for uh listening and sticking with us as we're trying to figure out exactly what the show is and what the show will be. Right now it's still an ever changing fluid thing in these early episodes. Uh but we'll we'll find our legs soon and um figure out the uh the format but until then you know things are a little topsy-turvy but uh, yeah we will see you next week for part two of our coverage of southbound
1: all right some people on twitter talking about this movie today i know I looked it up and saw Tom Holland, Mads Mikkelsen, and Daisy Ridley, and I was like, okay, okay. I'll See, I hadn't,
0: I hadn't noticed Mads Mikkelsen yet. Um, when I went to IMDb, on the front page there was a trailer for it, and it just said Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley, and I was like, hey? dystopian future, hey? <laughs> Three great
1: tastes that taste great together, <laughs> right? Plus Ew. Plus <laughs> Think about that for a second. <laughs> Don't worry, don't, don't think about it. <laughs> don't, why are you thinking about it, bro? Don't, don't think, think about it. I'm thinking about it, bro. It's making
0: it weird. <laughs> okay, I'm going to turn on the fan before we start. Okay. <laughs> so, hold do. on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought oh, that, that was, was your funny, favorite that was, part.
1: The, that was the funniest shit that ever happened. <laughs> the, the fucking... We had more openings to that fucking podcast and Lord of the Rings had endings, dude. It was horrible.
0: <laughs> I like how that happened and we just went with it. It's like, fuck yeah. it, we'll do it live. do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it fuck, live. It. fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that clip so much. All right, I'll be right back. Okay.